This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 248. Thank you for Tuesday, February the 2nd, 2016. A very binary number. Two, four, eight. Yes. It's pretty good. So two times two times two. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Uh, I was momentarily confused there because uh, it feels like a little while since we've done a podcast. And I know, I know, I say that every time we take a long break, but I'm going to keep doing it because that's the kind of guy I am. Um, the thing is, I feel like we've recorded a little bit less over this hiatus than usual. So I feel bad about that. Uh, well, let's just use more words. In this particular episode, and it'll uh, make up for it. Should we just talk faster? No, because that'll no, make... no, no. Uh, use more differenter words. How's that? Oh, uh, <laughs> like that one. Yeah, differenter. That's yeah. a good. It's a good word. It's the kind of thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure you made up. It uh, it really is. Well, when in doubt, make up your own word because you know this is uh, this is English. You can add your own damn words if you want. Is that the rule? I didn't know that was the rule. As long as the uh, the dictionary. People can find multiple sources for a word with a similar or same definition. They'll add it to the dictionary, those bastards. Really? So if, yes. So you just said differenter. If I say differenter, now it has to be in the dictionary? It's the same source. Oh, okay. So if it shows up in literature in a couple of different places by a few different authors, shows up in a newspaper article and then a Forbes article, and uh, as soon as it starts gaining acceptance in the general populace, They'll add that sucker to the dictionary. So we can't even ask a listener who happens to be an author or a journalist or something to go out and use the word differenter now because it would still be the same source. Uh, well, I don't know their actual rules. These are dictionary <laughs> people, and they, 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 they work by their own rules. Yeah, these are the, these are the so, dictionary people. They make up the rules. I think it has to be multiple disperse uh, you know, sources. All right, either way. Disparate. Disparate. Yeah, either Which way, maybe... Actual word. <laughs> yeah. Maybe differenter will get in the dictionary right alongside dis, disparate. Dis, disparate. <laughs> yeah. I almost couldn't get that one out. All right. Anyways, we are here to do a podcast. This is our last podcast before The Walking Dead comes back on TV. That would yeah. be the second half of season six. Um, and we have a little bit of listener feedback to do. And, uh, but we're mainly here to talk about the Walking Dead colon invasion, mm -hmm. which I know sounds funny. The Walking Dead colon invasion. That's not a show I'd want to watch. Well, that's only if you pronounce the punctuation. Yeah, but I like pronouncing punctuation, at least when it, when it's this kind of title, because it's, you know, the Walking Dead, it's not comma invasion. It's Walking Dead, the Walking Dead colon invasion. That's right. Anyways, we're going to talk about that. It's, a uh, uh, it's the most recent book in the series of novels. Uh, we are going to do The Walking Dead news. There's a fair bit, actually, this week. I think we'll probably have a few words on a couple of other TV shows that we've watched recently. And uh, before all that, I've got a little bit of listener feedback. Cool. So it's a fairly, fairly stacked show, I would say. Stacked and packed. Stacked and packed, baby. So let's, uh, unless you've got anything else uh, to talk about here, let's jump right into the feedback, shall we? Sure, do it, man. Listener feedback. All right, two emails, just two this time, so it won't, uh, won't bog you down with, with emails. But the first one comes from Harsh Greg on the internet, 
And this is regarding a news story we talked about last time. Do you recall talking about AMC working with the FCC uh, regarding the language on the show? No. But that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> it may have only been two weeks ago, maybe three. Yeah, yeah. That, that, all that, that, most of that memory has been wiped already. All right. Yeah, you're, you, you've only got like a month worth of memory? No, less, two weeks worth of memory? Well, it depends. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not directly linear as in I dump older stuff for newer stuff because uh, I remember some crap from a very, very long time ago. It's, uh, it's a function of how important... I feel the information is, oh. um, it, which is how uh, directly proportional to how long it remains in my memory. Well, I hope something we do here is important to you. Well, I yes. Okay, good. Well, not every single news item. No, I hear you. But this one, well, this is not a news item. This is this is harsh, Greg, on the internet, re- uh, referencing back to this news item from last week or last time, and. Harsh Greg writes, writes the FCC does not regulate content on cable TV channels beyond content that is legally deemed obscene. The Hmm. F-word doesn't fall into that legal category. For those keeping score, the F-word is legally indecent, not obscene. When George Carlin riffed on the, quote, seven words you can never say on television, that was the name of, I think, name of a comedy sketch he did? Uh, A bit. Yeah, a bit, yeah. Uh, He was referring to broadcast television, which uses publicly owned airwaves. Cable's a different animal, technologically and legally. To receive cable TV or any other pay TV service, one must subscribe, meaning the subscriber invites it into their home. The content is easily avoidable. Just don't subscribe. Because of this, the FCC is the U.S. Uh, the FCC in the U.S. treats cable content very differently from broadcast airwave content. AMC can drop the f bomb all day with no fear of reprisal from the U.S. government. It might be a bad business decision, but the FCC doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> what I like, most- and you can say that because people are inviting this podcast into their homes. They absolutely are. I into can their say, ear holes at the very least. I can say it as much as I want. But first of all, thank you, Harsh Greg, for all that, yeah. that great information. But what I like most about his email is how he says F word throughout until the very last word. <laughs> yes, it was very entertaining. <laughs> no, that, uh, that's really good to note uh, a, a bunch of things. One, how the FCC operates in these circumstances. Two, the, a distinct differentiation between broadcast and uh cable television yep so I th- that's I mean, I, uh i think i already kind of knew that but i maybe yeah, I'd from never... a, you know you kind of just know that information but it's nice to have that defined yeah line yeah, right? yeah, yeah so uh that that's good to know which means if uh the walking dead and amc can drop the f-bomb uh all they want and they chose not to in that one instance uh they can kill a baby well, you may be absolutely right about that. Now, yeah. is the is killing a baby considered indecent or obscene? Maybe, possibly neither. Uh, immoral, let's go with. <laughs> immoral, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't um, know if it's indecent or obscene. I guess it all depends on how they do it. Yeah. And you know what? I wonder if um, the context of using the F word or something uh, might determine whether it's legally indecent or obscene. Because I know... You know, I know with a PG-13 movie, as far as I understand, you can usually get away with one F word in it right. if you're not referring to, you know, using it in a sexual context. Right. If you're just saying F you or that effing thing. Yeah. That's... Fuck, fuck that. Right. Exactly. That's not 
the same as saying he fucked her, right? Or I'm going to fuck you like an animal. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> which yes. is, you know, that which has a slight, slightly rapey kind of vibe to it as well. So right. that might, yeah, you might be right. You know, fuck that is completely uh, indecent. I'm going to fuck you like an animal is obscene. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Negan has used the F word in every which way you can imagine. So they might just have to be careful in that respect. But otherwise, maybe he can drop as many F-bombs as he wants. And that'll be exciting. That would would be really good, you know. Uh, Anyways, thanks, Harsh Greg, for that. Now, speaking of killing babies, Jason, Uh our next email comes from Elizabeth uh, from down the 401, she says. So I don't know where exactly, but nearby. It's kind of long. Well, the 401 is pretty long. <laughs> that is a major highway that goes through Toronto, in case anyone doesn't know, and southern Ontario. Uh, anyways, but there's spoilers coming up for the final episode of MASH in her email. Oh, geez. So That's just the 70s just, or the 80s. Uh, just so you're worried. Yeah, it's early 80s, right? Well, I'm going to look it up. All right. Well, you do that. I'll read her email. So spoilers for the final episode of MASH. Elizabeth says, I'm not sure if this qualifies as an example of killing a baby on national TV, but in, oh, 1983. (laughs) There you go. February 28th. I just found it. There you go. I was traumatized watching the final episode of MASH when Hawkeye realized that the woman on the bus had smothered her own baby to silence it and not a chicken as he had previously remembered. The difference, of course, between that baby and Judith is that the baby in MASH was not known to us. However, the effect was shocking nonetheless. Yeah, I remember that because my mother, uh, when they aired the final episode of MASH and uh, they were trying to hide from the enemy in a bus and they're trying to keep quiet and uh, Hawkeye was uh, relaying to a uh, a psychiatrist how... Uh, this lady had this chicken and the chicken kept uh, clucking and, cl- and doing stuff. And they uh, told, he told the psychiatrist that the baby, that, that the lady had killed the chicken. And it turns out he couldn't deal with the fact that it was actual, an actual baby. So he substituted chicken uh-huh. in the story. Yeah. So that, I remember my mom being super mad because I think they took that from somewhere. There is another story. I don't know what the source of the other story was. I'll have to ask my mother mm-hmm. or we can give her a call right now. You want to call her? No, we're not going to call her. Uh, uh, so I think we she, should. It's I our think chance they to stole, get her on. They stole that uh, that storyline from somewhere else, and it pissed her off to no end. I see. I mean, I can. It's a pretty effective story, or uh, emotionally yeah. effective story. Uh, but I don't know where they stole it from. But it does sound familiar. But that could just be that it sounds familiar from Mash. Uh, I never. I mean, 1983. I was only eight years old, so I. I don't think I was watching MASH, but I do remember seeing MASH on TV, maybe in yeah. reruns. Um, I watched it. I watched the show. I, I, I remember watching MASH in general, and I remember watching this uh, uh, farewell and goodbye to the... farewell, Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Uh, I remember watching it live. Interesting. Biggest, uh, biggest TV finale ratings, at least at the time, in history. And I think it survived that, kept that record for a long time. Yeah. If not to this day. Or it says, did Cheers take it over? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, Cheers and Mash, they're right up there. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the difference is that uh, that was just a random baby remembered as a chicken, whereas Judith is a is a character on the show, you know? Well, there's also things, I mean, it's also a, a storytelling device where if you do something in a flashback, it has slight, slightly less impact uh, right. morally than it uh, would be if it would happen, like, in actuality. Right. 
like I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember the late sixties. Uh, I do not. But the uh, the first cross racial kiss I on you, television, though, for the record, I know. Okay, uh, but uh, the first cross racial kiss on television was Uhura and Captain Kirk on Star Trek, mm-hmm. but they didn't want to do it. They couldn't necessarily do it in the episode, so it had to be a dream sequence. Oh, or, so it could, it might not be real. Yes, so they kind of <laughs> snuck it in. You know, it's like, yeah, sure they kissed, but it wasn't really a kiss. Yeah. So you can use storytelling devices to sneak shit in to uh, that you wouldn't normally get away with on uh, just you know blatantly showing it on television. So in Mash, the flashback to the baby, or the, sorry, the baby killing was within a flashback. Yeah. On The Walking Dead, maybe they do yeah. something like that too, or do some sort of like hallucination or slow mo people can't really tell what's going on kind of accident thing or something. Yeah, that, it also might be just a complete you know, arbitrary decision in my brain that uh, that makes it better. It's a flashback, so it's okay. Right. I don't know. You know? Uh, let me ask you another question about MASH. I don't recall sure. now, but so he was in the finale, he was, uh, Hawkeye was talking to a psychiatrist. Yes. Was he, was the entire show him re- relating stories to the psychiatrist or was that just the finale episode? Uh, that was the finale episode. So the, that he was relaying. That. Okay, so the rest of the show was actually happening. Yes, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to trying to remember. I'm gonna. I'm probably going to be on shaky ground here, but I think that it was kind of a, a split thing. He was talking to a psychiatrist, and there was stuff going on at the current time frame. Okay, that he, where he was talking to the psychiatrist because they all left, right? And I don't think that was all in a flashback. Right. I think it was act. You know, the war was actually ending, and everybody was going home. But during that uh, that story, he was talking to a psychiatrist. But again, I, I don't know if I'm on shaky ground with that. It's been a long time since I've seen that episode. Boy, maybe we should go back and watch MASH from the beginning. That'd be really good, actually. I, w- I really enjoyed MASH. I wouldn't mind that. I mean, uh, f- what I remember of watching it, and you know, we've gone way down a hole with, ra- with MASH here, but I re- remember really enjoying the show, even as a kid. Maybe not quite getting all the jokes or not understanding it, but I wonder if now watching it again, it would be really, it would it would hold up. I wonder. I mean, uh, comedy is funny yes, that some way. No. Yeah. Well, it's only sort of a comedy, and that's why Mash right. is such a brilliant uh, show. Is that it's uh, it's also a very harsh reality show, but it's also a comedy. <laughs> one of the best, one of my, the funniest things I remember on that show was uh, the guy who does the announcements over yep. the speaker. In the camp, Radar? Was it Radar that no, did that? No, Radar didn't do the announcements, but there was a corporal that did the announcements. He, he does the announcements, and I don't even remember the announcements except for the very end of it where he said, and now, back to the war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Good stuff. All right, thanks, you two, for writing in. Uh, let's move on to the next segment. The Walking Dead News. After all that talk about MASH, we can get back to The Walking Dead. Although we're going to first start off here with something about Fear the Walking Dead. Do you remember that show? Yes. (laughs) It's coming back in April, so fairly soon. Um, But they've uh, added a cast member. A guy by the name of Arturo del Puerto has been Mm. cast as a character called Carlos. 
Now, Carlos. I, I don't know if that is a code name or if that's an actual character name. We know that when they're casting people on The Walking Dead, they always use code names. Uh, but that's because they're often casting characters from the comic, right? So we don't know. It would be it might be easy to figure out what's what if we knew the uh, the characters that were coming up. So they use codes. In this show, we don't know what's going on because it's not based on the comic or anything. So Carlos could be his actual character name. Right. I don't know. Um, anyways, the description of Carlos is a guarded. He's a guarded character, but possesses a spiritual understanding of the world. <laughs> of the world world i don't know why it came out that way now arturo del puerto has been in a few things he's been around he was recently in ride along 2 movie Mm -hmm. that's in theaters right now i think um he was also in the lottery chicago pd and looking at his imdb page he has a bunch of upcoming releases too including the chips movie the relaunch of the Chips franchise. Are with, they really doing that? With Dax Shepard. They are really doing it. With Dax Shepard? Yeah. I'm so excited. Really? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> John and Ponch back on the, uh, well, on the big screen, but back into reality. I'm yeah. so on board with this. All right, I like man. Dax Shepard, so this is good. I don't know who's, I don't know which one he's playing, and I don't know who's playing the other guy. I Chips is not a show I want to talk about very much, but it's not a show that I really watched that much when i was younger but as we discovered a couple months ago you know all the 80s shows so <laughs> oh my god the cast is so awesome Kristen bell maya rudolph vincent d'onofrio adam brody this is awesome that's exciting man i'm gonna go sit in front of the theater right now and wait you'll be the only man in the universe camping out for the chips movie no way i'm gonna be amongst friends but you know what? You'll probably make the news. Sir, what are you here for? Chips. Chips, my friend. I, I, I can bring you some Doritos if you want. <laughs> no way, man. California Highway Patrol. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. All right. Well, if I had the Chips theme song queued up, I'd play it for you. But I don't. Anyways, Arturo Del Puerto will be in Chips, but he's also going to be on Fear the Walking Dead as Carlos. Nice. So we'll find out more about him when the show returns in April. Next up, Overkill. They are making a Walking Dead video game, which we've talked about before. They put out a little sort of teaser trailer for it way back last year, like early 2015, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say. Might have even been before that. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the game has been delayed. Aww. It was originally going to be released in 2016, which, you know, I know we're only one month into at this point. Two now, my friend. It's February. Well, come on. 33 days. I know, but days. still, it's the second month of the year. So. It's the second month of the year. I don't know what happened to January, to be honest. Like, New Year was just, New Year's night or Eve was just a couple days ago, and here we are, February 2nd? 1st. 2nd. 2nd. Yeah. Groundhog so, Day, my friend. Well, yeah, it's Groundhog Day. Did yeah. uh, did the groundhog see his shadow? I haven't the faintest idea. Yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know if the winter's going to end earlier or extend for eight weeks or whatever. It's true. No and clue. I'm pretty sure the groundhog doesn't know either. Anyways, Overkill's The Walking Dead was delayed until 2017. Okay, so a year. So they pushed it a year. Uh, now, if you're wondering, this oh, is... Man. You know what I wouldn't give for have some of my projects pushed out a year? <laughs> it's just oh, like, my God. you know what? We're not gonna we're not gonna launch uh, on March first. We're now gonna launch on like April twenty ninth, twenty eighteen. Oh, that'd be so <laughs> awesome! I'd be, I, yes, I would like that. <laughs> that would be good. Well, these guys they get an extra year to do their thing. Wow. Um, 
So better be good, you guys. Better use that, that time wisely. Delayed timeline does does not mean quality no. in any way, shape, or form. I know. You once told me that, that deadlines are like a spring or an accordion or something, where the closer you get to a deadline, the farther it jumps ahead or something like that. It's, uh, I'm it, not sure. It, it's like an elastic band. Something as like that. you stretch that. It, it, it stretches out in front of you as well as stretching out behind you. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm the one that made this analogy, Chris. Really? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure you did make this analogy where you, you held your hands up and you had a deadline and one hand was the deadline and your other hand was the project as you moved closer to the deadline, knowing that you're not going to hit that deadline. The closer you get to it before you make that call to move it, the farther out it jumps ahead. Nope. Not me. Not you? I know that adding uh, developers to a late project makes projects later. Not, yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No, you're going to have to find another source for that because I'm not the source of that information. That's a good analogy though, but it's not me. Okay. Um, I, all right. Well, you should have just taken credit. Anyways, I was going to say that thing about adding adding people to a project doesn't make it faster, makes it slower, or makes it later. Yeah. I know a lot of people that need to learn that lesson. Yeah, and you can also tell them that uh, nine women cannot make a baby in a month. <laughs> I've Just used those... that. <laughs> yeah. I have used that. <laughs> I like that one, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Walking Dead by Overkill is coming in 2017. It is a cooperative first-person shooter, and all we've seen of it so far, I thought it looked pretty cool, the uh, teaser. So Super. maybe there'll be something coming out this summer to tease us even more. Okay, Angela Kang. Is that a name you recognize? It is. I'm trying to place it. Don't tell me, don't tell me. Is that uh, How You Met Your Mother? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't think so. Anyways, uh, she is a story editor and co-executive producer on The Walking Dead. Right. And she has been in that role since season two. So she's been around for a while, but she has recently signed what's called an overall deal with AMC. So she will be just around working with AMC and developing new shows and, you know, creating shows and supervising new shows and stuff like that. So um, she's been heavily involved in The Walking Dead, which is why I bring it up. Um, but she's going to stick around with AMC to do lots of shows. Now, as far as I know, she will be continuing to work on The Walking Dead. And here are some of her episodes that she's written. Season six. Uh, starting from recent to going back, and I'm not going to list all of them, but season six, episode three, thank you. Do you know which episode that was? Season three, no, no, no. episode... See, pay attention. Season six, episode three. Well, I got it reversed. I was going to go three, six. So I know. Just, just dyslexia. It's not, not me not paying attention. The title was Thank You. Yeah. And that's the one where Glenn dies, in quotes. Right. So she, she wrote that? She wrote that. I don't blame the writing for that episode. It's a different thing. Um, season five, episode 15, Try, that's the one where Carl and uh, Eden, Eden, Enid hide in that hollowed out tree when they're both outside the uh, Alexandria wall. Yep. Uh, going back, season five, episode eight, called Coda, that's another one you might remember. That's the one where Beth dies. Right, I do remember that. Season 2, episode 11, Judge, Jury, Executioner. So I skipped over a couple of years. Uh, that's the one where Dale dies. Okay. <laughs> so she's written a lot of death episodes. Yeah. 
And she is writing, in terms of upcoming episodes, Season 6, Episode 10. So that's the second one back in uh, a few weeks when it comes back. Well, they can't be that transparent where they're saying, hey, we're bringing her in to do this. No, no, no. This is just me. This is just me speculating. I happen to notice looking at her episodes that she wrote Glenn's fake death. She wrote Beth's death. She wrote Dale's death. um, And it's possible that I missed some in there. So she's the next episode she's coming up is episode 10, and I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of death in the second half of season right. six. I'm, okay. I'm pretty sure characters are going to die in the, in the, in the mid-season premiere in uh, two weeks, but maybe we're going to get a big one in season in episode 10 as well. Maybe. I don't know. I, I was thinking as far as uh, uh, How I Met Your Mother, I was think, thinking Pamela Fryman. Who's that? She is the she directed a whole bunch of episodes and is one of the executive producers. All right. Well, <laughs> not her. <laughs> she may have her own overall deals with other networks. I don't know. Um, but Angela Kang has been hanging around The Walking Dead for a while. And it sounds like she's going to be uh, continuing to hang around. But also congratulations to her on, you know, getting a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> on yeah, si- signing so- an important deal like that. All right, moving on. Sonequa Martin-Green, she is going to guest star on a different show called New Girl. You know New Girl. I do know New Girl. I've seen a few episodes here and there. Uh, She will be playing Rhonda, who is Winston's new girlfriend, an army reservist who is just as bad a prankster as Winston is. Nice. I don't know exactly what that means because I don't know who Winston is, but uh, it sounds funny. Uh, new Girl Winston. Uh, it's been a, like a few years. It's been like a couple of years since I've seen any New Girl episodes. Yeah. Well, it airs on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on Fox. And I bring this up because she's just a a, uh, a guest star on the show. Sometimes, you know, when actors are on a show and then they go and book other things like movies or other shows especially, it can it can mean something like maybe – their time is has come to an end on the original show they were on. Right. So Sasha Martin Green plays I mean Sonequa Martin Green plays Sasha. And uh who knows? Who knows if Sasha will be with us on The Walking Dead for too much longer. Right. I looked up Winston. Yeah. He's one of the roommates. Yeah. Okay. He he played basketball in Latvia for a while, but then returned and uh I think he wanted to be a police officer at one point. Okay. Sounds like a fascinating <laughs> show. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of actors who may not be around for much longer, Corey Hawkins, he's the guy who plays Heath on The Walking Dead, who we've barely seen. Like, he was introduced as a character, but he hasn't really had that much to do. Well, guess what? He's been cast in another show now, too, in the lead role. Well, that's a death sentence right there. And it's a big show. It's the it's the 24 reboot called 24 colon oh, Legacy. Don't do that. What are you doing? It's it's not going to have uh, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland. No, that, not. Well, that that's, makes it a little bit better and a lot worse. Okay. Well, Corey Hawkins is going to be on colon Legacy, 24 colon Legacy. Um, and apparently he's the male lead. So... And apparently it starts to film this winter, like like now, probably. Right now. Soon. So does this mean Corey Hawkins is off The Walking Dead? And I feel like if he is, we barely got to know Heath, and he's yeah. going to be gone. Oh, well. Yeah, I guess. Hardly <laughs> knew you. See you later. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. Um, 
anyways, I'm just speculating. I have no idea. Maybe he can juggle both shows somehow. Uh, you know, The Walking Dead maybe is is pretty much finished filming for uh, season six at this point, if not already. Uh, so maybe he just has time to go and go and film 24. I don't know, but I have a bad feeling about uh, Heath. Well, yeah, they got to kill him off. Uh, well, they got to. I don't know. I, I think maybe he can fit in both, but it's really hard to say. All right, finally, um, Mantic Games is developing a tabletop miniatures game Ooh. all around The Walking Dead. So this sounds kind of cool, actually. I have not played many of these games, although as a kid I did play a lot of the Star Wars um, tabletop uh, RPG. Not RPG, role-playing game? Yeah. Yeah, RPG yeah. stands for a role-playing game. There you go. I played it. Also a rocket-propelled grenade, but that's neither here nor there. I wouldn't be playing with that, no. Uh, I played a lot of that when I was a kid, and we used, um, you know, we used uh, tabletop miniatures to on a on a board and did a whole bunch of strategy and moved around and stuff like that. It was really cool. Um, so their Mantic Games is developing one for The Walking Dead. It's called The Walking Dead All Out War, yeah, which will be familiar to anyone who's read the comics or anything like that. And according to Gizmodo's Toyland blog or site, they said the game will pit groups of human survivors against one another while zombies serve as a generic third party that throw the spanners in the works while the human groups do battle for resources and survival against the undead hordes. Hmm. It sounds kind of fun. Uh, Mantic Games also put out a press release that said the comic license gives us direct access to the Skybound team and insight into the worlds by the people who actually created it. We will bring the pages to life with fantastic models that will cry out to be painted, slick gameplay, and it'll all be part of an awesomely fun gaming experience. Oh, well, we're all going to be painting miniatures again. Well, I used to do that. I used to paint the little miniatures that we used in the Star Wars role-playing game, and I loved it, and I wish I still had my miniatures, but I don't know what happened to them. Um, now I'm not saying I will get into that again to play this because who has the time, but, uh, it does sound kind of cool and I look forward to checking it out, you know, at least, or, or at least hearing from some people that try it out. Well, I recommend that you quit your job and take a part-time job so that you have enough hours in the day to paint miniatures. Mm, yeah, that's, uh, probably a bad idea, but. No, well, you take a part-time job at twice the pay that you're making right now. That's the secret. Oh, that is a good idea. I could do yeah. that. As long as you're dreaming, dream big, right? <laughs> I could do that, yeah. A job <laughs> that I work half the time, but make the same money or twice the money. Why not? Yeah. That's it's a, a fantasy. <laughs> I like it. I yeah. like it. I could really use that rich guy job. I don't, yeah, me too. I don't know how you get it, but you know, if my job description was rich guy, that'd be great. It would. Gadabout would be good, too. Um, yes, Gadabout. Uh did you play that? I mean, I know you played D&D a lot, but did you use like miniatures on a board or was it all? No, it was all uh, brain. All... It was all descriptive stuff. We never used miniatures. Brain based. Okay. So you've, ne you've never done a miniatures game? Uh, not really. I mean, I played Risk. That's sort of like a miniatures game. Uh, sort of. Yeah, I guess. Not quite the same though, but no, I, of course I, not. I guess it's similar. Anyways, this could be fun. Maybe you and I, if we both get that rich guy job, we could, we could get together and play this all day. Well, I don't know. It depends on how good it is, right? Like doing this as a part-time job, you know, 20 hours a week, week in, week out, might get real stupid boring after a while. Yeah, and let's be honest. If I had 
all that free time, I'd probably spend it podcasting. Yeah, that's true. You know, because that'd be fun. That's that's the full time job I want right there. Yeah. Making making as much money as I can. <laughs> uh, all right, that is the Walking Dead news. Uh, I don't think we're gonna you know bother doing a doing a break this episode. Let's just plow right ahead. What do you say? Sure. All right, so we are going to talk about The Walking Dead Invasion, the book. There's a couple other things I want to just bring up uh, before we do that, because some people have been asking, and, uh, you know, if people ask, I like to deliver. Okay, or at what least, are they asking? At least answer their questions. So last time we podcasted, we talked about Colony, season uh, one, episode one. Uh-huh. I haven't watched any more of Colony yet, but I do plan on watching it a bit just to find out what's going on there. Um, but we mentioned making a murderer last time. Oh, right. Which we've both seen. So I thought maybe we'd just say a few words on that and then a few words on another show that recently came back that some people have been asking about. And then we'll get into the book. So making a murderer. Um, I mean, most people, I think at this point, kind of know what it's all about. It's on uh, Netflix. Go it, watch it. It is on Netflix. Press pause. Go watch all of the episodes and then come back. Yeah, there's 10, right? There's 10 episodes. They're an hour long or so each. So there's a lot of, that's a lot of content right there. But that's it's a, a day. It's about, you know, you can listen to the podcast, finish <laughs> listening to the podcast tomorrow. Right. It's a day for those people that don't have jobs. <laughs> um, anyhow, it is about this guy named Steve Avery who is convicted of a crime, spends 18 years in jail, and then is exonerated based on some new DNA evidence. Um, that's not really what it's about, though. That's kind of where it starts. Yes, that's the first episode. That is the first episode. After that, he goes through, um, he's accused of another crime, and and this show is about that accusation and the trial for that crime. Um, now, we I, I so badly want to talk about this in detail and kind of spoil it, but I don't know if we should do that. Now, it is real life. You can go and look on the news and find out what happened. Yeah, the news really spoils shit. It really does. It tells you what's going on. The news spoils real life like crazy yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if if we're not going to sort of get into that much detail, I'll just say that it's a fascinating show. It's an infuriating show in a lot of ways. And I do recommend everyone watch it. Uh, that being said, I think that it was two or three episodes too long. I think they could have told this same story or it's a documentary told this, you know, provided the same sort of made the same point with the information they had and cut it down a little bit. I, I felt like there was a long stretch in the middle where we were getting the same information kind of fed to us, maybe just to hammer home, their, hammer home their point. But at that point I was thinking to myself, okay, I got it. Where is this going from here? Yeah. So the, I agree with you, but uh, I don't know if it was too long. I just I think that they, uh, the the filmmaker's point was a little too, uh, a little too much. Like they really, really wanted to make a point with this uh, with this documentary, and everything that they showed us was in support of that point, and mm -hmm. they kept repeating it over and over to make their points. Like, yeah, I get your point. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, I think the biggest thing, not the biggest thing, but one of the things that I, that came out of this for me was what are they not telling us? There's, it seems to me like we're not getting some information right. that might, uh, give a more balanced, uh, aspect of this story. 
you thought that while you were actually watching it, eh? Yeah. Interesting. Have you gone after the fact now that you've nope. finished it and looked anything up? Not a damn thing. This the only information I have about any of this is this documentary. I was not aware of the trial. I was not aware of anything about this until I saw this show. Well, neither was I. I mean, I I had never heard of the story or Steve Avery before watching it, other than um, very recently or very shortly before I started, because everyone said you have to see this. Um, but since then, I have gone and read up on it. I've looked up information. Um, there is a lot of info out there about what the filmmakers did leave out. Um, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, tons. So it's it's extremely one sided now. I kind of feel though that whether I mean this it's it's def, it's definitely one-sided but regardless of that I feel like the police investigation involved in this case was horribly bungled and just massively mishandled in in every way. Um, yeah, there's definitely some uh, shadiness going on there. And I don't think there's there's like two sides to that. I mean, that is just a fact, I think. And on one hand, you know, they may have bungled it towards one outcome um, or or the other, right? Like, I'm not going to say what the, the verdict is in the case, but the fact that the police mishandled this so much, regardless of where it led to, like guilty or innocent... I feel like it was just mishandled all the way through. And that's one of the yeah. things that is is most sort of blood boiling about this whole thing, that it's just the police seem in in many ways so incompetent. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're right. It's, it's a very one-sided story. It's fascinating. It's interesting. Um, it was a couple episodes too long, in my opinion, but it was certainly worth watching and, and uh, really eye-opening in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think that uh, the the impression I got of the, the stuff that was left out was not necessarily uh, in, uh, had to do with the police or the case. I think uh, it, it felt like what they left out was uh, other information uh, that would paint the Avery family in a bad light. Mm-hmm. Like they wanted them to seem as good and as pure and as nice as possible, and that any information that would paint them in a bad light uh, was left out. Sure. Well, I mean, the people who made this film they they had their they had made up they've ma- clearly made up their mind on how they feel about Steve Avery and his family and the events that took place uh, as we know them. Um, and they just wanted to sort of reinforce that home, and they're yeah. and you're absolutely right. They they left things out that might might tip not tip the scales the other way, but maybe make them sl- balance a little bit more. So yeah. it would be fun to talk about this with you know with spoilers and so on. But uh, I think it's I think maybe the best thing to do is just tell people watch it. Um, it should be you know I, I I feel like almost everybody would find this fascinating. And then go and seek out some of the other information after the fact and uh, read up on it and just, you know, yeah. make... And then and then go find other crime-related documentaries because I love those. I watch a lot of those. Do you, eh? But none of them... Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you'd have to, you'll have to make a list someday for me or something because I can't really think of too many others like this. Oh, especially go on Netflix and look at documentaries. There's a whole section of crime documentaries. Really? Some of them are TV shows. Some of them are, are uh, you know, feature-length 
but there's uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, oddly enough, when I'm not feeling well, like I'm feeling sick and I just want to lie on the couch and uh, watch TV, my brain just goes, I don't want anything fictional. I want damn crime documentaries. Interesting. Yeah. Give me, you know, give me a nice story about somebody who's on death row <laughs> and about their struggle to, uh, to have their sentence commuted by the governor. Huh. You know? All I right. love that. I just eat that shit up. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm not surprised you enjoyed this then. Yeah. No, I, I, I did enjoy this. It just it felt a little one-sided to me. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen a, a more balanced um, portrayal. It, it just it seemed like they had a conclusion in mind of, in, of what they wanted to present and that uh, they've constructed a narrative that uh, did not include anything that was outside of what they wanted to portray. That's like it was just... Absolutely. This is what we're showing. This is yeah. uh, this is the narrative we want. That's kind of what documentaries are these days. I feel like I I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I I get the feeling that back in the day, and maybe that was only twenty years ago, uh, documentaries were a little bit more balanced. And yeah, now, it's Michael Moore's fault. Yeah, he he went super one sided, right? To prove a yeah, point, I can't watch a Michael Moore documentary because it doesn't feel like a documentary. It feels like him hammering something. Uh, over your head and making painting something or somebody in such a bad light that uh, you can't can't stand it and leaving out critical information on uh, on how that information how it could be balanced yeah but that's not always the point I mean some people people have opinions and they're going to make they're going to make art for lack of a better term that, that there was one documentary that the, uh, that Michael Moore did where he went to Canada. He wanted to portray how, uh, you know, the United States was such in a state of fear mm-hmm. and how Canada was this free and open society. And he went into Canada and started opening people's doors. Right. And he showed four or five doors that opened. But th- he did not show the 90 or, you know, 80 or 90 doors that were locked. Because I can tell you right now, I live in Canada and my front door is locked. Of course it is. Very few people live with their doors unlocked, I mean. Right. But that's the only ones he showed you. I understand. How many doors did he have to try before he got those four doors that opened and then showed that as if, uh, and painted all of Canada with that brush? I understand. But I'm just saying, like, people are going to make a documentary to make a point, And I don't begrudge them for that. That's just kind of what they do, yeah. right? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean, it's not untrue. It may not be a hundred, it may, may not be entirely true, but it's not false either, right? Yeah. You and, could just easily say that in Canada, every single murder makes the news. The states can't say that. Well, because I, it's so commonplace that, you know, reporters just don't give a shit. It's not even true here. Come on. I mean, not every single murder makes the news. Not in, the, not in Toronto. Not every death, but every murder. A shooting in Scarborough. There was a rash of scoot- shootings in Scarborough in January. They all make the news. They may, may only make a little snippet of the news, but they show up on the evening news. I suppose. I, I don't watch a lot of local news, but no, you're probably right, actually. Um, uh, but uh, I don't know. You it, Some of that you'd have to go and seek out, too. I mean, right. you, you yeah, sure. You We turn on the radio in the morning, and if someone was stabbed overnight, you know, they'll report there was a stabbing at wherever you know, at 3 a.m. Yeah. outside a nightclub after two men had an argument or something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely reported on here, and maybe that's not the same down there. But 
All I'm saying is I don't hold it against people like documentary filmmakers who make a documentary that is extremely one-sided. They have an opinion, and they're going to make their their documentary to reinforce that opinion, and that's the way it is. You can take it or leave it, and you can educate yourself if you want to. Right. I, just, I guess I like uh, documentaries that uh, more explore a subject than want to paint a story. That's a different kind of thing, though, right? Yeah. It's One is more educational. One is more, you know... Editorial. Tr- editorial, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, but, but you're right. I feel like the educational-type documentary doesn't exist as much anymore. But it could be that I just don't seek them out, too. So, but the ones that seem to gain popularity or hit the mainstream are the editorial-type ones. Yeah. So... Anyhow, go watch Making a Murderer on X-Files. I mean, no. X-Files. Uh, Netflix. On Netflix. Do you yeah. want to talk about X-Files? Guess what we're going to talk about next. <laughs> oh, I see. Good segue, Chris. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Uh, X-Files is back, Jason. I have not watched it, Chris. Oh, crap. But I, I told you my opinion of it. Yes, you told me my opinion. Why don't you tell everybody your opinion? So I'm going to tell you... I'm going to reiterate my opinion of it to to you and to the world here. So X-Files is back. X-Files, it's it's a mini series, it's six episodes. The first 3 have aired. I've only seen the first one, so I have to throw that out there uh to start. I did watch the entire original run of the show, 7 or 9 seasons or whatever nine. it was. 9 two movies. Nine. I've seen both movies, so I've seen all of the X-Files content that has ever been released to my knowledge. And except for the last two episodes of the miniseries. So the X-Files miniseries, I didn't like the first episode of this, Jason. I'm, I'm, I, I was really geared up for it. I was excited. I was looking forward to seeing Mulder and Scully again. And then I thought the first episode was really, really quite bad. Well, oh, really? Really? Were they, were they, okay, bad. so did they... Film it. I have a couple of questions about it. Okay. So first of all, uh, I kind of stopped watching the X-Files right after the first movie. Okay. Because uh, I I couldn't figure out why I would stop watching the X-Files because I love the X-Files. Like for the first bunch of seasons, I loved it. I watched it every Friday night. It was, uh, it was the Friday night thing I did for a long time. Uh, but I think what happened was I moved someplace and I didn't have cable anymore. <laughs> And therefore stopped watching all TV for a few years. Uh-huh. And I think X-Files suffered from that. Uh, so I have not watched it. Uh, but I have a couple of questions about the uh, the, re- the reboot. First of all, uh, I guess we can surmise from this that in the original series that uh, Skelly and Mulder, Mulder did not die. Because this I didn't know previously. Okay. I have not watched. I'm going back and I'm watching them. I actually downloaded a list of episodes that directly uh, relate to the uh, colonization storyline. Okay. Because there's three types of episodes, I think. There's Monster of the Week. Yep. Uh, There is uh, smaller, like, smaller episodes that have plot lines that span multiple episodes and they come back to it every once in a while that don't have to do with colonization. And then there's the myth mythos. There's a colonization storyline. Correct. Which is the big one. It's what the smoking man does. It's that, all those things. Uh, so uh, it's Mulder's sister. It's a whole, a whole thing. So I downloaded a list of those episodes and those are the ones I'm going to watch before I watch the new mini series. Okay, that's and, that's a good that's a good thinking. You don't have to watch all the monster of the week stuff. Yeah, that that stuff drives me nuts too. Like, I started I watched the full first season again, 
uh, a little while on Netflix, and I, there was some of the episodes. I'm like, come on, I don't want to have a horror story in the Arctic. It's just so boring. <laughs> That's the one uh, though where they're up in the Arctic and they have to get undressed. And Mulder yeah. says, "Now, before anyone passes judgment." Remember, we are in the Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> you see, and that's the kind of thing that I'm, uh, I have to give up in order to not have to put my through, myself through watching all of these episodes. Okay. So, because, you know, I would like to have the willpower to go back and watch all this stuff, but I think the problem was that X-Files was such a pivotal show. It was such a benchmark show at the time, and so much TV has built across, uh, built upon the shoulders of those of this giant show that going back and watching these seems kind of boring and cliche yeah. because they were so important. I Does see. that make sense? Kind of, yeah. Because so many shows have done what the X-Files started doing right. that now it is normal. Right, so you can't, you can never go home. Right, once you so, leave. So, but when when the X Files was first on, it was so different, yeah, and so pivotal that it was uh, it was absolutely amazing. So I, you, you can never go home again. You're right. I can't go back and watch it because so much t- uh, TV is built upon the, the this style of show that it really kind of seems boring. Okay, well, if you, I don't know if it's on your list, but. Season four, episode two of the X-Files, it's called Home. It yep. is considered one of the greatest episodes of TV ever done. So if it's not on the list, you should add that one to the list. I think- I'm kind of starting at season six. All right. Well, I'm going to, I every now and then go back and watch Home. I haven't done it in, in, in years. What's it but, about? Uh, it's very dark. It involves mutations and babies and things like that. It's really scary. It's more of a horror type type episode of the X-Files. And uh, I, I think it classifies as a Monster of the Week episode, so it's probably not essential to your to your right. list, but it is one of the best episodes the show ever did. And I think a lot of people really consider it one of the best episodes of TV all, of all time. So I was just going to say, if that's not on the list, you should add that. And I was recently reminded of that by another podcast I listened to, they were saying how how great that one is because they were talking about the return of the X-Files. So you've got your list to watch and then you're yep. going to watch this mini series. So yes. I might temper my comments here a little bit to not uh, imply anything that I don't want to, to, to spoil things for you or for anybody else out there. But I will I, say- I three questions though. Oh, that was only the first question? <laughs> no, that wasn't even a question. Okay. That was just the lead up. That was the background information on my X-Files experience so that I can ask you these questions. Okay, let's get your first question then. Uh, Skinner back? Yes. Okay, that's good. I like Skinner. He's a good character. Yes. And dis- other than a little bit of facial hair, the guy looks exactly the same. He does. I've seen him on Sons of Anarchy. He was uh, he played a character on a returning character on Sons of Anarchy, uh-huh. and he was all tattooed and uh, was a white supremacist. Uh, but I, 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 you know, other than the character being a complete asshole, I think the actor uh, did a really good job. And yes, he looks exactly the same. Mitch Pileggi. Yeah. So okay, Skinner's back. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Daggett? Doggett? Doggett. Terminator guy. Not not in the episode I saw. Okay. And uh, are they still using the jilly board? What is that? It's uh, the name of the, you know, Gillian Anderson is only like four foot nothing and David Duchovny is like uh, seven foot 19 or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's she... a big, big disparity in their heights. Yep. So they had to put her on a platform 
for a lot of ep- for a lot of scenes so that they could talk to each other without uh, her talking into his navel <laughs> essentially uh i didn't know it was called the jilly board but... so they started calling it the jilly board for jillian anderson having to stand on this board so that they could get both these actors in the same goddamn shot <laughs> well i'm going to assume that they are because uh well because i i don't think their heights have changed very much in the last 10 years um, but the other thing is I did know that there was a big difference in their height and I have spoken to people before about techniques for, uh, you know, working around that. The jilly board strangely never came up, but <laughs> I've, I've, you know, heard about things where like if they're walking down a hall, they'll put her, you know, a few way yards in away in front and then have a low camera angle. Right. So it looks like she's just as tall or whatever. Yeah. Um, they do that kind of stuff all the time just to even them out a little bit. But, uh, the jilly board is new to me, except for that, uh, strip club I went to one year, one year called the jilly board. Oh, is it called jilly board? Cause there was a jillies. <laughs> That's, yeah, I know. Jilly board is a good name though, too. It is a good name. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was just wondering if they still used it because they, for a long time, they even afterwards in Vancouver where they filmed it, uh, the production companies would start would use jelly boards, and that's what they refer to it as. Really, it's a thing. I think it's a thing. Wow. Well, I'm I'm going to assume it's still in there. So, and and are they filming in Vancouver? Is it all still in Vancouver? Ah, uh, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't know where they filmed this. I mean, it doesn't take place in Vancouver, so no, it never does. No, of course not. <laughs> All right, thanks. Okay, so that answers your three questions. Yes. Um, good. I did not like the first episode. I I thought all of the actors, with the exception of Skinner, he was just fine. But Duchovny, um, Gillian Anderson, and a new character played by Joel McHale, which you will know oh, yeah. from Community. Yeah. And, and other things. I thought all of them were just not very good. Oh, even Joel McHale? He was the worst. By, really? In my opinion, he was terrible. But he's so show. good in all those Lego commercials. I didn't know he was in Lego commercials. I know... Lego Dimensions, he was uh, the spokesperson. Oh, he does a voice in the game, doesn't he? He does. He I, does Batman. Really? Yeah. I think he does sure. more than that. I was playing the game uh, as an aside recently, and Christina walks into the room and goes, that's Joel McHale. I'm like, hey, yeah, you're right. <sighs> um, anyways, Joel McHale from Community, amazing. I do not buy him in the X-Files, even a little bit. He plays this, like, ultra-conservative TV show host who's obsessed with conspiracy theories. And it didn't work for me at all. Didn't work at all. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I can only see him in more sort of comedic roles like Community, but I've seen him on other stuff, and he's been okay. I just, this character doesn't work. I, I don't think it works. Maybe the character doesn't work altogether, but Joel McHale, in my opinion, was just miscast up the ass in, in this... Uh, rhymes. In, almost. Almost, in, in X-Files. So I didn't like that. Uh, Duchovny and Gillian Anderson just seemed disinterested. Like, they didn't even want to be there. Um, especially Gillian Anderson, I would say. David Duchovny was a little better, but both of them were just like... I just phoning got a, in. yeah. I just got a, a meh feeling from both of them. Totally phoning it in. Well, so, what they should do is swap out Joel McHale with Tony Hale from <laughs> Arrested Development. <laughs> that I could see. I'll be That'd honest be a good with swap. you. As a as a conspiracy <laughs> theory guy, that guy, uh, who did he play on Arrested Development? He was um, uh, he was the, one of the sons, the weird the, brother. Oh, what the hell was his name? Yeah, I don't uh, know. But uh, you're right. He, I could see that a little bit more. 
Joel McHale didn't work at all. Um, and then I'll just say this. Uh, the character of Mulder, they did some things with. Buster. Yeah, Buster. That's right. The character of, of Fox Mulder, they did some stuff with in this X-Files miniseries that I just don't get. Like, some of the some of his character traits felt very jarring. And, you know, I don't want to get into it too much because it could be a little bit of a spoiler, but there are some things about Mulder that, to me, don't compute. They don't equate with the character of Mulder that I know from watching nine seasons and two movies. And I get it that this is 10 years later and a lot can change and a lot can change with a character in, in those times or a person. But the problem is we haven't seen any of that. And I feel like as the audience, at least me, I'm curious to find out how Mulder got from where he was back then to where he is now. And it's to me, it's just too jarring to drop him in and he's this totally different guy. And he's still addicted to pornography, right? I don't know. They didn't get into that in this. Okay. (laughs) Because I think he was addicted to pornography in the X-Files. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Um, I remember that. I don't remember why we knew that, but it must have been in there somewhere. It was the 90s. It was before the internet. He must have had big, you know, piles of magazines and DVDs and such. I guess Video so. cassettes. Yeah, VHS Many tapes. Many hundreds of video VHS tapes of pornography. Well, all I'm trying to say is that I think there's some things about Mulder's character now that don't work with what I remember Mulder being like back in the day. And I'm okay with the character changing, but I feel like if they needed him to change, they needed that change to happen over the course of this miniseries and right. give us a little bit and show us what's got him to the point he's at now. And I don't like just all of a sudden, here's Mulder, there's all this stuff about him that doesn't add up, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't work for me. So I, I think I was, uh, I was talking about this when we were chatting about this a couple of days ago, is that uh, maybe they're... They did that on purpose and that they're setting it up for backstory information to come through in the next few episodes. Well, that would be fine. Like if we do get more backstory, that would be great. Uh, I have heard that episode one and two of this mini series are sort of people are lukewarm on. A lot of people actually didn't like the first one, but then I I heard other people say they really loved it. Um, But I've also heard that episode three is the one where it really picks up and it really starts to get good. So I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm going to stick with it and, you know, watch it all and formulate an opinion at the end. But after one episode, I was not impressed. I will say that the final scene of this episode was good, but it was almost good in a nostalgic kind of way, uh, which, you know, is fine if this is a Star Wars movie, but it doesn't, didn't, I didn't love it in an X-Files episode. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that means, but whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Did Gillian Anderson have a British accent? No. Because she's, you know, Gillian, uh, Gillian's been doing a lot of uh, work over in Britain. There's a bunch of TV shows right. that she's been in that uh, where she has a, a really good British accent. So I was thinking maybe that kind of rubbed off on her personally and that yeah. everything she does now has a British accent. What's that show called? I've heard her sh- her British show is really good. <sighs> Let me look it up. It's on uh, It's on Netflix. Yeah, I don't remember what it's called, but more than one person has told me to watch that. So that might- The Fall. I, the Fall. Might have to add that to the list, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, if you love the X-Files, uh, you know, 
all the more power to you. But I wouldn't mind hearing, you know, what what it is you loved about it. Uh, and like I said, I've only seen the first one, so I'll uh, I'll watch the rest of it. There you go. And someday you will too. Yeah, I'll get to it eventually. All right. Speaking of eventually, uh, let's talk about the Walking Dead invasion. Let's sure steer this ship back towards the Walking Dead. So, the Walking Dead invasion is the sixth book, I think, or is it the fifth? It's the sixth. Sixth book in the series of Walking Dead novels. They are written by Jay Bonansinga, um, with um, outlines done by Ro- uh, Robert Kirkman. Although I feel like he's Kirkman- not credited with these. I think he's less and less involved as they've gone on. Um, from what I know, uh, from talking with uh, Jay Bonansinga, I did a panel of his at Walker Stalker Con a couple of years ago, and I've spoken to him a few times. He's always said that Kirkman sort of does take uh, an overview of it and kind of gives his you know final blessing on things, but... I think most of the story and the writing is Jay Bon and Singa at this point, right. especially now that we're six books in. Um, so really quick, this one picks up very soon uh, after the end of the previous book. I'm not going to say who's alive and who's dead, but uh, you know it doesn't waste a lot of time in sort of getting back into this story. And uh, it follows... In this case, a couple groups of characters, two primary groups of characters, and how they come together and interact. Is that uh, generic enough for <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, that's nice and, nice and vague. So there are some, uh, there's a plot, Yeah, and uh, I believe there is a setting and uh, characters uh, that come together and interact in a well, uh, Walking Dead style. You know what? I'm I'm trying to be careful because I, I already did it once this episode and you pointed it out, like, uh, you know... Acknowledging the fact that was it was it uh, Mulder that, and Scully that they're that they're, they're still, still alive. alive. Obviously, yeah. they're still alive, <laughs> but I didn't know that because I know that Daggett shows up, and I know that uh, Mulder and Scully kind of either fade to the background in the last couple of seasons or are completely not in it. Well, Mulder wasn't in much of the last few seasons of the X Files, yeah. But but I I knew that he wasn't in it. I didn't know why. Right. So now I know he doesn't die. Okay, well, that's the thing, and that's the thing about The Walking Dead, right? Like, in a series like this, well, historically, characters have died all the time. So if if I even mention a character that's in this book, then you know that that character, if you're three books behind, doesn't die before this book. So that could be considered a spoiler. And, I mean, God, it's it's hard to avoid spoilers 100% all of the time, and you can never please everybody, but... Um, in this case, well, we try to, (laughs) so anyways, um, so this book, it's a sixth book. I think this is probably my least favorite, maybe the weakest of the series. And I know I haven't loved every other book in this series and I was lukewarm on the last one even, but this one just feels very small to me. It feels like not a lot happens, which I know is sometimes an unfair criticism because obviously things happen. I just didn't find myself uh, with a great deal of interest in what was happening, or they focused on things that I didn't find as interesting or didn't really expect them to focus on in this book. So I didn't really like it that much, and I found it a bit of a slog to get through. Right. What do you think? 
I think that uh, there were some uh, good aspects to it, and I think the writing was uh, relatively solid. I mean, I've had problems with the writing in the past, especially the first book. I had a big problem with the writing. It drove me nuts. Mm -hmm. This didn't have anything that jumped out at me and smacked me across the face and said, this is a really crappy line. Mm -hmm. And the the author wrote like a piece of shit here. (laughs) Uh, Right here. So, yeah, nothing slapped me across the face in this book. There was a couple of things uh, that kind of rose, almost rose to that level, but the uh, the bar where I had set, nothing had blatantly gone above that bar. Uh, so I think the writing was good. I think the uh, the story, there was some neat aspects to the story mm-hmm. that I would have liked to have explored in a little more detail and to have a little more, uh, not information, but examples and been a, highlighted a little more, let's mm-hmm. say. I I can that and that's sort of what I'm trying to say. Like, there's definitely some aspects to this story that I would have found more interesting had we gotten into them a little bit more. You know, um, I th- I think it's okay to say that at the end of the last book, the group of characters that we have move into um, a series of tunnels that are underground, um, underground in Atlanta, not Atlanta in Georgia, right. and the area. And uh, I think we debated last time whether these tunnels are really real or not, but let's let's move past that. Anyways, they move down in there and start to fortify and make somewhat of a life down there. That's one group of characters anyways. And I think I would have been a little bit more interested in exploring that aspect of things a little bit. Yep. But we don't get that much of that in this nope. book. Um, we get a lot of time with another group of characters that... Uh, are doing other things and, you know, have their own agenda and their own plan, which it's not a very deep sort of concept that this other group of characters are working with. It doesn't explore anything new. It doesn't really give us any new sort of glimpses into humanity or the psyche of people or anything like that. It's very straightforward and basic. And I did, I just didn't find it that interesting. Yeah, the characters were a little flat, and I don't know if there was any character development. Um, yeah, you're you're absolutely did, right. <laughs> you know, when you any, was anybody better off now that uh, or worse off? I mean, there's a few people that are worse off. There's nobody really better off. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody has grown personally from the beginning of this story to the end. No, and that's why this is falling flat a little bit, right? Like the the, but first... the same is true to the for Back to the Future. Well, again, I don't want That's you to say controversial. anything bad about Back <laughs> to the Future because it is a perfect movie. <laughs> right. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, the first three of these novels were about the governor, or the first four, because they split the third into two. And the governor, that's a story that progresses, right? The governor develops, the people around him develop, We we get, you know, we got the governor's side of the story once he came together with Rick and so on. Um, that's a story that's that's great. That's well well told. Whether you like the writing or not in those books and how it was told, that's a different thing. But it's a it's a fascinating story. We've moved on from then because you know the governor, of course, is dead, and now we're another group of story. An- we're with another group of characters telling a different story. That you're right. I mean, when you think about it, those who survive this book, they're no different. They didn't learn anything from beginning to end, I don't feel like. And those who didn't survive, I will say that characters die in this, and 
the characters for me that died. Um, I don't know. It was time. I'll put it that way, I guess. And hopefully if they do more of these books, which I assume there's going to be more coming, we can uh, move on into something different or something new or just something that's going to capture my interest a little bit more. Um, I do want to say that I think what Kirkman is doing in the comic these days, like in the recent issues of the comic, is actually really interesting. The comic had its a stretch of time, too, where I wasn't all that on board with it. But he's turned the corner, I feel like. So I know Kirkman isn't writing these books, but I'm hoping that the novel series can do the same thing. Sort of leave the past in the past and turn a corner into something a little bit new and different. And it's it's just got to find its own way to yeah. to do something new, right? Yeah. And I don't know what that is. There's, you know, there's that there's that phrase that people say they it needs to find its own je ne sais quoi, which is French for I don't know what. I don't know what. <laughs> but it needs to find its I don't know what, right? Yeah. And that's it is that's uh, the thing. according to Wikipedia, it is Invasion is the second book in a second four-part series. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's two more. Two more coming <laughs> in this right. series. And then they'll probably, you know, it's Robert Kirkman, so they're going to spin it off into something else. Yeah, then they'll <laughs> just keep them coming. Um, so, yeah, this book, uh, I'll be honest with you, you could probably, who knows what's coming after this. I don't know. Maybe the books that are coming after will really rely on information that we got in this book, but... I feel like right now you could skip this book altogether and not be too worse for wear in the grand scheme of Walking Dead novels. True. Yeah. Um, I'd like to point out two other things. One, well, one other thing about this book, and it's it's a congratulatory point. Okay. <laughs> You're going to congratulate me on reading the book? Well, sure. Congratulations for finishing the, finishing the book, Jason. Uh, well, I didn't finish it. You didn't get all the way through? <laughs> oh, now you I tell me. I still got like 20 minutes left of the, of the audio book. Now you tell me. Good thing I didn't ruin the ending. <laughs> well, the, well, we're not spoiling anything, and right. my opinion is still solid. It is, yes. It's just that I haven't uh, finished the entire plot. Actually, before I move on to my congratulatory <clears throat> point, the I think you are right about the writing. Uh, I do think it is, it is better than the... Although I'm not sure it's better than it is from the first book to the second or the third and so on, or if we're just used to it. Because I do feel like it's sort of in the same style. It is in the same style, but there's not uh, there's not as many author intrusion moments that uh, that come across. In the first book, oh my God, if you used the phrase ejaculated blood one more time, I was going to throw things <laughs> and try and hit Jay Boninsinka from wherever I was to wherever he was. But thank the good Lord above that he stopped using that phrase altogether. To be fair, he doesn't actually mean ejaculating blood. I mean, that's that's even worse if he was... It's spurting. Yes, it's spurting squirt, blood. Squirting it. But he used the word ejaculate for that visualization. I know. Yeah, you're right. And there's enough of that. We don't need that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were some things, there were some things in that in this, this uh, novel that uh, almost rose to the level of... Uh, me being annoyed, but didn't quite get there. So that's good. That that's is a plus good. in my book. That is a step in the right direction. Now, I, I, I do. I could go the rest of my life without hearing about gore-soaked dungarees. That was <laughs> that. That is not, maybe not gore-soaked, but like yeah. uh, the term dungarees. The word dungarees was used a lot. 
dungarees. Well, it's not really a Canadian term. We don't use the term dungarees. I know, but I I don't care if it's Canadian or American or whatever. I just it's in there a lot. And that, like you said, I mean, he he he, ejac- he ejaculated blood a lot in the first book. Well, he's covering his dungarees and gore a lot in this book. So right. I feel like it's pretty much the same, but it's evolved to different sort of things. Still ultra descriptive, but that's okay. I've gotten used to that. And, you know, this is The Walking Dead. You do need to have descriptions of, of the blood and the gore and all the stuff that happens. So I'm okay with that. Um, anyways, back to my congratulatory point. Sure. I would just like to congratulate the founder and, uh, head guy down at Walker Stalker Con, a guy whose name is James Fraser, who, uh, is the namesake of a character in this book. <laughs> there is a nice. James, James Fraser in this book. And I bring that up because the term Walker Stalkers was actually used it in this book. It was used. I noticed that. <laughs> Me too. And I'm sorry. That's not an accident. And I don't begrudge anyone. I don't hold that against anyone. I think it's great. If if somehow the name of our show or our names were used in a Walking Dead novel, I'd be thrilled. That'd be awesome. Right? If, My name was used in an episode of uh, Law & Order once. There was a Jason Miles. Yeah? He wasn't even a bad guy. Really? I don't think so, no. He, <laughs> he was get, just a character. Did he get killed? No, he didn't get killed. He was just this guy, you know? <laughs> surprised it wasn't Zaphod. Uh so you know Jay Bon and Singa you're a good dude you know if you if you can get us in there that that'd be awesome even if it's like you know Chris Miles or, J- or you know Chris and Jason just just do that just there you go mention Chris and Jason couple guys you know that they meet walking through the forest one day and then they go their separate ways yeah you but, can even but our you pivotal can even make me ejaculate blood if you really want it <laughs> <laughs> somehow oh yeah man that'd be awesome <laughs> you know what that'd be totally worth it yeah <laughs> you could just make us wandering through the woods but pivotal to the storyline i don't even care about that yeah you're right <laughs> anyways uh that was cool obviously that was a little shout out to james and down there at everybody at walker stalkers so all right um walking dead invasion i don't know skip it if you have to but it is walking dead so I think a lot of people will read it. Yeah. All right. That's going to pretty much wrap up this episode of the podcast, everybody. Next one will be covering season six, episode nine. So the show will be back. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. It is a um, holiday in Ontario where we live the day after that uh, the episode nine airs. Is that family day? That's family day. It's called, yes, Monday... February 15th. Oh, that's so nice. It is nice. There's only one problem, which we can talk about uh, off the air, but I have to fly to Vancouver that day, so I'm either going to be recording from Vancouver or we'll have to figure something out. Well, we'll have a podcast Valentine's Day night uh, episode. We'll do it right after the the episode airs. Actually, that's not a terrible idea if you could could make that happen. Yeah, screw it. I don't have to get up the next day. Apparently, it's family day. (laughs) It is. It's family day. I have to be on a plane at 9 a.m., so... Yeah, but I don't care about that. No, you do not care about that. <laughs> uh, we'll work something out, though. So hopefully that podcast isn't delayed, but worst case, it comes out at a day late. Um, and then I'm going to be in Vancouver for three days that week. So our feedback show that week may be a little bit late. I think what I'll probably do there is just wait till I'm home and we'll record that when I'm home on the Thursday. Right. 
or something like that. So, uh, anyways, we'll sort that out. Um, but if you're, if things get messed up that first week, I apologize, but, uh, you will definitely get your podcast episodes. Cool. Um, and then of course it's back to the regular schedule of everything that, uh, that we're going to be doing. Um, one more thing to just address is that, uh, you know, I bring this up every once in a while because people ask me about it. Um, and that is where can people find all of the old episodes of this podcast if they want to listen to the back catalog? It's very easy. Visit talkingdeadpodcast.com. That's the website. And then you can search for episodes or you can just sort of page back through the content. Now, the reason you can't get them all on iTunes is that we only have the most recent 50 episodes on iTunes because the feed that iTunes reads without getting into too much detail, it gets very, very big if we include all the episodes in it. So I keep it a little bit smaller to uh, to, to manage that size a little bit. But everything is available on the site. I think there's 24 or 26 pages of uh of uh, podcast content there all the way back to episode number one. So you can find stuff. And when people do email me about it, I generally, you know, send a link if they're like, where can I get the podcast for season two, episode six? I want to hear that again. I'll find it and send the link. So feel free to do that. But if you're ever looking for something, it's all on the website. Cool. Um, Jason, you should go back and listen. To episode one or to all of them? To all of them. Or maybe yeah. just episode one. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've re-listened to episode one uh, once. I think it was a few years ago now that where I listened to it. But we've been on the air for how long now? It's been seven years? Yeah, September something of 2009. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. It is crazy to think of all the hours uh, that we've been s- sat here talking on the internet, so... All right, so like I said, next uh, podcast will be coming after The Walking Dead is back. That's amazing. It's uh, it's less than two weeks. It's very, very exciting. Two weeks. Yeah, that's right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com and clicking send voicemail. You can also send your emails to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. Uh, and uh, that's going to do it. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks, everyone, when the show is back. I'm very, very excited about that. And until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.